G'day and welcome back to On The Scoreboard. I'm Jimmy and today on the podcast we're doing something a bit different. Our local leagues are still on hold so we thought we'd have a look at football more broadly around the country and overseas, talking the A-League, Premier League and the current state of football around the world. And we'll also talk about our love for the game, how we got into it so people can get to know us a bit more. We'll choose our favourite teams, players and also we've come up with our favourite teams from our Arsenal and Chelsea teams that we've watched over the years and I'm joined again by Jalen J-Man Hyde. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good to be here. That's the way, mate. Yeah, getting into football, mate. How, how did you introduce yourself to the game? What was your first memories of it? Yeah, it's um, a bit of a different one. Obviously, my um, my parents had nothing to do with football at all. Hmm. Um, my dad was a rugby league player. Uh, very good at it, too. My mum was a dancer. Uh, my dad obviously wanted me to play rugby league. And my mum was not about it at all. She didn't want me to get hurt or anything like that, especially so young. Um, So they signed me up for, I guess, football. And yeah, my love was straight away started. Obviously, I played in Sydney for a long time and uh, moved up here when I was nine or ten, I think. So yeah, and then you know, my love for the game was already built by then and I already had... um, you know, a team that I wanted to be and a player I wanted to be like. However, <laughs> I guess I changed positions. Um, I wasn't going to be the midfielder Frank Lampard was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I went in goals and I guess my, my uh, football love become more and more as the more I enjoyed playing there and the I guess the higher levels I got. Yeah. And looking back, what's your earliest memory of the game, mate? Like either watching on telly or playing yourself? Yeah, um, my earliest memory would be actually, I remember on TV, they used to show one Premier League game live and the rest would be, you'd try and have to watch it. And I remember being sick from school one day, actually. It was the middle of the day and it was either watching Dr. Phil or this old Premier League game. And it was uh, West Ham versus someone else. I can't remember, but... Frank Lampard was at West Ham at the time mm. and he played a blonde and I remember thinking, oh gosh, I play like him, thinking, you know, oh, I was that good <laughs> as well. And yeah, I just started to fall in love with it and yeah, I watched as much soccer as I could growing up and still do. So yeah, I guess my first memory of football properly of watching it on TV would be, yeah, watching Frank Lampard run around for West Ham. Mm. And um, well, my earliest memory of the game, I remember getting up to watch the 05 World Cup qualifier, Australia versus Uruguay, Uruguay. with yeah. my mum. That's my earliest memory of the game, watching it on telly. And uh, John Aloisi scoring that famous penalty. Never forget that. Just a, no, I don't think any Australian will. The scenes at ANZ Stadium, scenes Absolutely. around the country. First World Cup we've made since 74 or something like that. Yeah. And then the build-up to that, obviously, leading into that World Cup, massive hype around it, playing in Germany. We had such a good side called the... Yeah, the golden generation. Golden generation. Yeah. He kills Baduka, Cahill, Kilina, Schwarzer. All playing in the big More. leagues around the world. You yeah. Know? We had such a great team then. And yeah, that Germany World Cup, it's just my favorite World Cup. Just I think I watched nearly every game, getting up early morning of the hours. Yeah. Early very, hours of the morning, I should say. And Very yeah. tired at school, but it was yeah. worth it. <laughs> it was so worth it. And then, yeah, Timmy Cahill scoring those two goals against Japan. Yeah, the first two goals of well, the first goal of our ever at a World Cup. Yep, and then what we went on to do at that World Cup, making the round of sixteen, playing Brazil, then going out to Italy. I've actually got a story. My folks got me an Italy jersey for my. I can't remember what birthday it was, but it was in '06 when they just won the World Cup. Yep, and it was signed by all the Italian players, right? And I was only like a young fella; I didn't really know what was happening but I was, remember it was so livid that Australia had gotten knocked out by Italy I was like this is the worst who, present ever yeah, the, bloke who, <laughs> the bloke who took a dive against Lucas Neal I hated him so much uh, and yeah they pre- presented me this jersey for my birthday and I was like no I'm not taking this <laughs> and they were like you sport brat get to your room I was like but I just, I just couldn't do it I was Australia like, hates him I have to as well and I was like no I can't do it there's yeah. the, the enemy mate I can't do it yeah, I remember oh, thinking, I, I remember the game and I am th- thought probably for about, 
half the game, I was going, we're going to beat Italy here easy. Like, how easy is this? Mm. And then obviously, as you said, that penalty, dive, no dive, decision's been made. It's long ago. I don't want to bring it back up again. It hurts too much. Yeah, um, good Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, why would you put yourself in a position for him to fall over you in the first place as well? But Yeah. yeah, it was heartbreaking. I remember going to school and all my friends talked about it, like, oh, how good we were and oh, man, how good Australian football was at that period. Mm. Obviously, we've got, I guess, a new crop of um, footballers. We won the Asian Cup in 2015, I believe yeah. it was. that was a great day. So we've got a current crop of you know footballers who are trying to emulate, I guess, that golden generation. Mm. But yeah, that 06 World Cup was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was such a good tournament as well. So many great players that tournament too when you think about it you had Messi Ronaldo just starting out yeah you had R9 Ronaldo in his prime then Ronaldinho the German team the Italian team yeah Zidane's last World Zidane, Cup Zidane yep and obviously that famous headbutt he head, did to Matarazzi head in yeah. the World Cup final in the final yeah what was he thinking there but yeah but obviously Italy went on to win the tournament so yeah. and we nearly beat him so what could it have been but could have been oh, well. anything yeah, mate. I was obviously I grew up around here as well in Newcastle area. Played my juniors for Valentine, and then yeah, progressed up the ranks there, and yeah, just fell in love with the game from a very very early age, mate. As a lot of people did around here, and yeah, it's just yeah, you either play football or rugby league here. Eh? Mm. I think it's an area where I guess you're probably the exception, but you grew up supporting the Newcastle Knights, and everyone wanted to be. Joey Johns and Matty Johns and everyone wanted to play yeah. with their brother in the halves and win grand finals. Mm. And then you had the other side of it where if you were into, um, you know, football, you wanted to play for the breakers at the time. And then when the A-League started, everyone wanted to be a Jet. Yeah. So. Well, growing up, we had the really good Jet sides of 08, 07. Yeah. Playing in front of puck crowds at Energy Australia with that famous gold shirt that they had. Yeah, yep. obviously a lot of great players there too. That I remember going to a couple of Jets clinics and rubbing shoulders with like Nicky Carl and Joel Griffiths and that. It just idols for us growing up. It was such a good team, and then obviously had the the downer years in between, but made a grand final a couple of years ago. So, but yeah, it's a it's a good club, the Newcastle Jets. But with Carl Robinson at the helm, currently yeah. up and up. Yeah, he's done a really good job since taking over. Absolutely. But um, yeah, mate. I wanted to ask you. Obviously, we've been to a lot of games in our in our life, like either just watching as a fan or being involved in. But um, favorite moment you've had watching a live game or like a live moment that you've been a part of? What would you say that would be? Yeah, mine's a bit of a a different one. Obviously, I've been to plenty of games, Australian games. Uh, I was there for the Asian Cup final, um, obviously. But mine's going to be actually an A League Grand Final. Mm. Um. Not for the right reasons, I guess, as a youngster living on the Central Coast, but the Mariners Grand Final versus Brisbane. Just witnessing something like that live is something that, you know, I don't think I'll ever witness again. Like, I've seen a lot of football live in my time. Mm. Um, And I just, like, still remember the roller coaster of Kwasnick scoring, being up 1-0, and Oli Bazenik scores a tap-in, being up 2-0. You're eight minutes away from, you know, That's Mariners' first grand final. Ready to tweet the grand the phone final out. Yeah, the phone out. I was on Snapchat and had status up, how good the Mariners are champions. And yeah. um, Enrique, I think, scored Brisbane's first, if I remember correctly. He loved the grand final that like, didn't he? The slippery fish. Yeah, yeah, he was very good, Enrique. And then uh, I remember conceding the header... And the moment it actually occurred to me that I think the Mariners were going to concede was the camera turned to Graham Arnold. And Graham Arnold was the most nervous bloke in the whole world. He was already crying as if Brisbane had scored. And then, obviously, everyone knows Eric Pardalou scores that wicked header in the 120th minute. Yeah. Uh, leaves Matt Ryan flapping. Uh, goes to penalties. And Enrique, again. <laughs> Enrique. Obviously, I think that was... If I remember correctly, that might have been Matt Ryan's first season in A-League. Yeah. I think 
because I rem- if I remember correctly, Jess Van Stratton was meant to be the original keeper there. Mm, and he got injured. And he, he got injured in preseason, yep. tore his ACL. Um, and the Mariners hadn't signed a backup at that point. Mm. And Matty Ryan was in the youth league system, and they were like, well, he's going to have to do until we find someone. And now he's the best goalkeeper in Australia. Yeah, he took his opportunity <laughs> well, didn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, so my, mem- my uh, f- I guess, favorite memory live that. Maybe not favorite for the result, but yeah. favorite for I guess the experience and to be able to say oh, I was there. Just an incredible definitely, game, yeah, that yeah. grand final. What's um, yours? Mine, mate. I've got a couple. Yep. So I'm a massive Lionel Messi fan. Yep. And um, I was over there in December in Spain and got to watch Barcelona game with my one of my great mates from school. And uh, yeah, we're both massive massive Messi fans, yep. and it was about. I remember just watching the whole game thinking, oh, this is sick. I'm watching my hero here, Lionel Messi, going around. And he get, he got the ball in the second half. About five or six defenders just swarmed in on him and he, he just kind of just brushed through them all and then just wrapped his left foot around this around the ball, curved it beyond the keeper like 20 yards out and scored a goal. Golasso. I was like, wow. I've just met, I've just seen Messi score a typical Messi goal yeah, in life. his backyard. And like I just went crazy. I was like, "This is the best thing ever." But, get and it was just a what he scored like over six hundred goals in his career. Yeah, keeps on doing it, mate. That would be up there. And um, live, I was there for the Riley McGree goal, the Scorpion kick. Oh, okay, yeah, against uh, Melbourne City. Yeah, that's one that comes to mind now. Just being an unbelievable atmosphere. You missed the fantastic commentary on that. Then I remember Brent and speed. Yeah, speedy. Uh, I watched it at home actually. I was meant to have gone, um, and something come up, so I couldn't. I couldn't actually go. And I remember messaging my mates who were there, who some of them are Jets fans, mm. and they're like, "We can't believe what we've witnessed." And I was like, "Forget what you've witnessed. Should have just heard the commentary. That was almost twice <laughs> as good as the goal." Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, mate, that was unreal. I, like at first, I thought it was like a deflection, didn't? Because I was actually. So when he goes to knee slide in celebration, yeah. I'm there and like me and a few oh, yeah, mates yeah. there in the corner, like just up a bit in the grandstand, just like going off. Like we Raucous. just yeah. like we just scored like in the semi final. It was mad. And then yeah, the replays come across the TV. I've seen him score a scorpion kick. I was like, What what did we just witness? Yeah. And then he got to go to like the Ballon d'Or and stuff. Like sit next yeah. to the Courtois and Hazard and stuff. And I'm like, he plays with the Jets. Yeah, oh mate. <laughs> Almost one yeah, dollar dear. That was insane. And then the Jets got to host the grand finals at that one as well. Obviously, not the no, not the result. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let that slide. Oh, that was a, that was a night yep. and a half. But anyway, um, yeah, football around Australia, mate. A-League at the moment. What yeah. are you thinking about it? Is it going to return? Hopefully. <laughs> well, the Jets want to um, run there. They were, yeah, yeah. The Jets were... Obviously, with uh, Carl Robinson coming in, the Jets mm. started to play very good football. So that's exciting. Um, I think they were the last game before it ended, if I remember correctly. Yeah. They beat Melbourne City. Yep. 2-1. 2-1 I yep. Yeah. I think that top bins goal that probably shouldn't have been a goal. Ooh. Um, Wait, well, yeah, Ogarkovich. Yeah. That goal. Yeah. I think, nah, man, I think Tom Glover should have done better there as a goalkeeper myself yeah. but that was well long ago too now. much power bro possibly <laughs> but yeah so um man this season's been okay obviously we've had the same thing with you know sydney running away with the title again mm. um melbourne city i guess choking in big games like they seem to do at the moment i don't know what it is when it comes to big games but they just seem to yeah. not be able to deliver um, Western United have put on a show this year so far. Yeah, they have very impressed from the new boys and uh, Wellington Phoenix. Um, mm, great year for the Phoenix boys. Surprise eh? package for me. I think obviously we consider Wellington one of, I guess, the teams that struggle the most to play in A League. And there was talks about last year them not having a renewed license because mm. they weren't delivering. Well, yeah. they've delivered this year, and I think on the back of uh, Devia. Or Davila, how yeah. do you want to pronounce it? Um, the Mexican player. Mm. Wait, he's your traditional number 10, isn't he? He gets oh, yeah. the ball and makes things happen. And yeah, um, yeah. Defense isn't his forte at all. But 
you know, going forward, he's a freak. And then you've got Gary Hooper when he's been fit, he scored goals and mm. uh, ex Chelsea graduate as well in ball up top, the oh, second yeah. striker. So, yeah, you know, they've got some quality around the field and obviously they've still got uh, Stephen Taylor skippering the team in yeah. center half. So, mate, good force. Well, yeah, people questioned how they would go with when Mark Rudin left. Obviously, they had that great Absolutely, year yeah. previously. And then the new coach, is it Ufik Tale? Ufak Tale, yeah. Yeah, he's the new coach there now. And people were questioning how they would go. They lost Roy Krishner at the start of the year too. They did, yep. The Fiji of the year last year. And they've just, yeah, they recruited well. And yeah, I think... Going from strength to strength. I think the problem was that they lost, obviously, Philippe Curto. Their goalkeeper of the year went to Western United. Yeah. They lost Roy Krishna, um, obviously, player of the year. Mm. So... There was a lot of questions about how Wellington would go, but they've definitely answered. Yeah, Mariners, mate. Yep. Another tough year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where do you start and where do you finish with the Mariners? Um, overall, better performances. Okay. I think uh, Stadge has got them playing good football. I think good football isn't winning games, however. Um, yeah. But again, he can only do what he's got with his resources. Uh, it seems to be uh, that Charlesworth won't invest um, anything on the football field. He was happy to invest plenty to make the centre of excellence on Central Coast, mm. but not enough money to sign players to get fans into the ground. So that's an interesting one. But yeah, the Mariners languishing again. And yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> I've got nothing. Yeah, I've got nothing good to say about them, unfortunately. Yeah, but another good year for the A League, probably. Well, like it's another standard, another standard year for the A League in terms of just yeah. Obviously, we got Sydney out in front again. Yeah, no real. Well, we got Melbourne a couple victory. of marquees in the league there, but struggling. I haven't really had the high profile marquee since Del Piero's and. Yeah, I think I think Ola Toivinen yeah. come from a World Cup out to victory last year. Obviously, Adam Lafondra is an ex Premier League striker. He yeah. came to Sydney last season as well, I believe. So we have quality. We had Gary Hooper come to Wellington. Obviously, yeah. he's ex Premier League striker as well. Um, Stephen Taylor joined last season, so we have names, but they're probably not as big as you know. When Dwight York arrived or Del Piero. Del Piero arrived, yeah. That's probably the benchmark that they've set for themselves the A League with I Del think, Piero coming out. Yeah, I think well, yeah, even Tim Cahill when he come yeah. home. Yeah. I think um we can't hold every major signing to Del Piero because the He's money the money isn't there and yeah. what Del Piero's done in football is very, very hard to replicate. Yeah. But um I guess we got to look at finding a way to attract maybe players that are more coming out of their prime but have still got that little glimpse of in it. Ola Toivinen is probably a player of that caliber. Obviously, he led the line for Sweden at the last World Cup. Yeah. Spent a lot of time playing in the national setup with Zlatan, obviously. Mm. So he's got good pedigree behind him. Um, he played, I think in the Premier League as well once upon a time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's a good uh, good pedigree of striker. But yeah, we need to try and do more to get more uh, players out of him. Yeah, I'd say so. And Well, we did get, actually, the, saying that, the Jets just signed Welsh International not too long ago. Joe um, Ledley. Joe Ledley. Yep. And they also brought um, Bernie Abini back. Bernie, yep. Which I know a lot of you will probably have a laugh about, but he's actually a very good footballer, and he's 100%. probably a, he's probably a winger that Australia doesn't see much these days, where he's fast and direct, mm. um, an Arzani um, type, probably a little bit quicker than Arzani, but yeah. you know that sort of player that is fast, direct, and wants to take on players. Yeah, the Jets have really really recruited well in that January transfer window, you can call it, but. The thing with uh, Ernie Merrick, when yeah, that run we had at the start of the year, when he was there, he obviously suffered a lot with the injuries we had to the side. And those since those players have come back in, and obviously getting Roy O'Donovan back to the club, yeah, was massive as well. Proven goal scorer, 
and he loves playing for the Jets as well. Wasn't getting his game time in Brisbane, so he decided to come back. It was unfortunate the way he left to start with. I don't think he wanted to leave. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. I don't think he wanted to leave either. But I'm um, glad he's back. He's such a good player. I don't think Ernie could fit him into the team, which for me is a bit weird. But I guess Ernie had a style that he wanted to play. Obviously, you never like seeing coaches be sacked. but No, especially after he led us to that grand final a couple of years back. Yeah, exactly. Right, he's but, done so much for the club as well. But Unfortunately, that's the nature of the business, the isn't nature, it? Yeah. It's unfortunate, but that's how it rolls. Um, The starting 11 initiative, mate. Obviously, a lot of commentary around, because obviously no football at the moment, a lot of commentary where the game's at in terms of sustainability and moving forward and stuff like that. Yeah, so the FFA announced today starting 11 initiative with 11X pros all jumping on board to help guide FFA in in terms of um, like player development, academies, Stuff like that, and how the game moves moves forward from the top to the bottom. Yep. Um, I see it as a pretty good move. Obviously, ex players know most about the game than any, and yep. to get them involved in the FFA and in terms of decision making can only be beneficial to the game. You'd think. Yeah, I think um, the only issue that I have with it, apart from how late it is to be starting it, is the fact that. They've got players who probably haven't been in Australia or within Australian football for a long time. Um, obviously, Dukes uh, is an Australian icon. We all love Mark Viduka, but you know he spent a lot of his football over in the UK. Hmm. Um, but he did come through as an like through the AIS and, that, and stuff like that. He did. You're right, but I think the way he come through and the way players come through now, the academy pathway isn't quite the same. And I think um, Yossip Skoko was one of the other names in there, which I was actually happy for because he's uh, he's in and around the current New South Wales NPL setup. So he'll have an understanding of the pathways there and um, I guess the way players are being developed. But hopefully, I guess, with this yeah starting 11 initiative, mm. we get uh, better quality footballers coming out soon i guess it's a yeah. um for me it's a money thing mm-hmm. um you know it costs too much to play football in this country which is ridiculous yeah it costs you know 200 300 pound to play in most european countries um we're out here it costs you know two grand to play i think um for the top academies though. yeah yeah, yeah. i think we need to look into, you know, which players we want playing the game. Obviously, a lot of talent from a lot of countries. You know, you think of the best players in the world, the Messis, the Ronaldos, the Neymars. You know, we go strikers, Aguero and his Man City teammate in Gabriel Jesus have all come from, you know, socially poor backgrounds where, you know, the fight for football was all they had. Mm. Where I'm sure we have those people out here, but they're not going to be able to afford two grand a year to play football, are they? Yeah. So I think something needs to be done on that front to find uh, better footballers, well, I guess the better footballers that can't afford to play in those football academies. Mm. Well, looking at the current player pathways in at the moment. Yep. Obviously, I think the knock on, as you say, the knock on them is probably it's too expensive. But as we've talked about before, that the way of football that they've been playing to an extent, that uh, tiki taka football, yeah, very regimented style of football. And yep. I guess the um, killed the game. That great Barcelona team that came out in 2010, all the great Spanish teams that um, happened in the yeah two Euros and a World Cup. Yeah, the late yep. late 2000s, early 2010s. They kind of like corrupted football in a way everyone wanted to play like them and it kind of filtered into our country as everyone wanted to play that 4-3-3 let's just pass it around the back you know, you know what the thing is right I don't think they corrupted football in yeah it's probably the wrong word for it but they, <laughs> the way they played but what they did do was say this is how Spanish people play football yeah and all of a sudden every Australian coach went oh 
Look how Sass Fabregash, Xavi, Iniesta passed the ball in midfield. That's how you win. Ramos, PK, you know, David Villa, you know, Fernando Torres. We're talking about world-class athletes, like world-class athletes playing a game where they're playing for like a World Cup. We're Mm. talking about a system here with Johnny and Joey down the road, 10, 11 years old. And you're like, all right, you want to be like Cesc Fabregas. This is how he does. He moves here, passes the ball there. When he gets to here, he passes the ball there. You know, these guys aren't robots. Mm. And I think we're training them to be that. Obviously, Tiki Taka is good football. But you have to be able to know when Tiki Taka is okay and when it is not okay. And I guess the the thing, knock on Australian football at the moment is, you know, we're happy to have 110 passes with no end product. I look back to, I guess, all the Ollie Ruse teams before Graham Arnold just took over recently. And we went, what, three years without a World Cup? Or Olympics, sorry. Yeah. We went three years without an Olympics. I reckon if we went back through all our stats, we had over 75% possession, 75% possession in each game. We couldn't score goals. So the last Olympics was 08? Is that right? Beijing. London 20... We had London, Rio, and then this year, Tokyo. Yeah. All of it has been postponed to 2021. 21, yeah. So, yeah. So, the last two Olympics, we'll say, because they're the ones we definitely... I can know off the top of my head, we definitely missed. Have they qualified for the latest one? They did just qualify not long ago. Um, Scrappy, but we've qualified. We found the back of the net. You know, and Graham Arnold isn't known for the prettiest of football, but it's effective. You know, the thing, the knock was, you know, while Ange Postacoglu was in charge, Australia, let's look at the national team. Postacoglu has a style of play and that's possession-based, but we'd play a lot of football and get no goals. And I guess we need to produce firepower at the, at the youth level. So when we get to that level, yeah, okay, they can have they can fit into a tiki taka system, but that striker then knows, oh, I've got to have a killer instinct here. This is my spot to finish instead of, you know, trying to one two a defender, one two a goalkeeper, and tap it into an empty net. You want them, you know, finishing from fifteen twenty yards out sometimes, taking yeah. initiative and going, all right, this is how we finish. Instead of it's the same thing over and over again. You go wide, you pass it into the middle, you pass it to your striker who then lays it off to someone. To finish, like we look at Liverpool, everyone symbols like this Liverpool side is passing it into the back of the net all the time, but a lot of their great work comes from a long ball here before you know Mane and Firmino or Salah one two with each other for a tap in. A lot of it is not fast build up tiki taka stuff. It's a long ball here or you know a switch of play there and take a different line where it's not. You've got to pass it to him before he can pass it to him that he passes it to the winger, you know? Yeah. It's direct, fast, and it produces results. Yeah. And they also love to play on the counter-attack as well. Absolutely. Using their pace. Um, well, yeah, that's the it's the hardest thing, eh, in football to try and find a striker from top to bottom. <laughs> yeah. That's, the, that's what they're, everyone's looking for. It's the for. goal, yeah. Yeah, it's the premium in football to and try I and think find a goal scorer. I feel sorry for strikers probably in our current setup because you think of the three strikers who have gone before or even four strikers who have gone before them. You've got, you know, Tim Cahill, who recently retired. Before him was Josh Kennedy. Yep. Before Josh Kennedy and Tim Cahill was, you know, Mark Viduka and Harry Kuehl. Like, that's four names that have traveled yeah. the world and played at a high level of football. Mm. And then we're hoping Tommy Urich playing for Western Sydney, who's now overseas, but, you know, he's not an out-and-out striker striker. He's a good hold-up man, almost like that false nine, I guess. You know, trying him to be able to score goals like Dukes and uh, Harry Kuehl did, and it's just not going to work. Yeah. But the thing about us as Australians, right, you look across any sport, and there's people that are successful and do well in most sports because we're a country that loves our sport, yep. any sport that it is, and are driven and motivated and have like a real winning mentality that's been a part of Australian culture for so long. Yep. And it, yeah, as it, it translates across all sports, like if you look at the Olympics, like look how many sports that we're involved in. And I think we're still a, 
we're still very early in our football development as a country. Obviously, like in the early days, it was mainly brought over from European countries, and they brought their um, like way of playing and yep. culture to that to their football um, areas, which is fine. It's great. That's that's what we wanted. And those some like a lot of those great Socceroos were descendants of like European, yeah, of the European descent. Yeah, but I think we give it a, a obviously right now with where the game is at in, in Australia. I definitely think down the road that we can be a like a leading contender in the world of football because Australians prove time and time again that we're just like a great sporting nation and produce. I know it might be a long way down the track, but yeah, I think I mean, one day it will happen. I think, as you just touched on there, like a lot of our great stars have European descent, obviously. But even look at the golden generation. Yeah, Skoko, Kalina, Swartzer. It, it'll come around again, I'm telling you. I yeah. Think it will. I think, I think the thing for us is that now we've made a few World Cups in a row. Expectation is World Cup minimum. We need to be there. Yeah. Which I think's, I think it's tough. Um because when you think about it, what, 32 teams go to a World Cup or something like that? Well, 48 now starting it. Well, yeah, for the next World Cup. For the next 48, one down the line, yeah. yeah. So it'll be easier to qualify. That is true. We should, exactly right, we should now qualify for the World Cup even easier before. But, you know, 32 of the best teams from around the world make that tournament. And I think, obviously, being as big as we are in Asia, we think, oh, we should make it. But... I think the other thing we're forgetting is how technically brilliant some of these smaller teams are, the Irans, the Iraqs, Japan, obviously. They're technically sound. You mm. know, They can ping a pass 30, 40 yards and it's guaranteed to hit feet. You know, Aaron Moy is probably the only Australian midfielder right now for me personally that I believe could probably do that consistently. But you know, they've got 11 blokes from their goalkeeper to their centre-backs all the way forward that can ping a pass. Yeah. And they're technically sound. I think that's something we're missing. Yeah, we still want to be fast-paced. We still want to be able to pass the ball. But it's no good having all that if you don't have the technical ability to hold, retain, and then be able to pass that ball. Yeah. But I think the thing is with the current academies going around now, you probably couldn't knock their technical ability. Like the way they're producing players in terms of like actual like quality on the ball with like one touches, two touches, because that's what they've been implementing. It's just that... Yeah, find that killer instinct to to win games, win games of football. That's probably what the yeah. Well, I think, the concern is yeah. I think um, it probably shows once we go to an A League level that basically every team strikes as a marquee. Yeah. Um, you know, let's if we look at teams, how many team has an Australian striker? Um, the Mariners in Jordan Murray and Matt Simon. Uh, unfortunately for them, they're not making. An international difference just yet. I think Matt Simon's time might have gone and Jordan Murray's probably hasn't come yet. Um, he's still young. But then we go through other clubs like Wellington have an English, uh, two English strikers actually, I think. Um, you know, Victory have a Swede up front. Sydney have an Englishman up front. Uh, Perth have Fauna Rowley, so a Uruguayan. Yeah. The Jets have Roy O'Donovan. Irishman. An Irishman. Yeah. So we're looking across, you know, the league right there and all of a sudden we're going, all right, where's all these Australians? Hmm. I think the only Australian... Oh, Jamie McLaren. He's at Melbourne City, but he'd be one of the only probably Australians that are playing that could make that international level. And obviously he is Australia's current, I think, first choice striker. Yeah, I'd but, say he would be. You know, we need to find a way for these A-League clubs to trust, I guess... Australian players instead of spending their money on you know, big foreign stars. We yeah. still want them, obviously, but we still want to be producing Australian footballers. Mm. Moving on, mate. We'll move overseas. We'll have a look at um, Premier League, mate. Yeah. Obviously, we've got our run, the runaway leaders in Liverpool at the moment. Just been sensational this year. Yep. The boys in red. Current top four, I think, at the end of the... Well, when it got postponed, was Man City, Leicester, Chelsea. Correct, yep. So, yeah, Liverpool, mate. Obviously, this year was their year that they thought they were going to crack it, and they did. They've done it sensationally with, I think they got 82 points before it got closed off, and then the next behind them was Man City, then he had 59 points, and 
Liverpool only lost one game in that unbeaten run they went on. Yeah. If they win that, they're champions right now, and there's no yeah. asterisks next to it. No fan can whinge. But oh, I um, think they need two wins. They need two is wins. Is it two? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> they're one closer, aren't yeah, they? They're all, but it's just. Um, well, what do you reckon about that? Oh, mate, 25 points clear. No one's catching them. I know it's mathematically still possible, but... But would you be happy to just hand on the Premier League title? Yeah. If the season if, got cancelled? If the Premier League season got could not um, go on right now and we had to cancel the season, yeah, they have to win the title. There's no asterisk next to it. There's no nothing next to it. They're 25 points clear. Like... I'm not a Liverpool fan uh, in the slightest, but you know you have to be real. If it was Arsenal or if it was Chelsea or Man United or Man City, you know any any team, even Leicester, Leicester's in the top three. We'll give them a shout. If they're 25 points clear, you cannot argue with the fact that they're the best Premier League side. I can't argue with that, but for the integrity of the league, I think you just can't crown someone without them officially winning it. Mathematically, I, I know they've been the best team. They deserve to win the Premier League title when it, football comes back, and I think that's the only way they can be can be crowned champions. I don't think if the season was be was to be called off, I don't think you could give them the title. Unfortunately, that's just my opinion. Would your opinion be the same if Arsenal was twenty five points? Clear? Yes, because I I wouldn't want to win the league like that. I wouldn't want to just have it... As in, like, win the league because you're the best team in the league or win the league because a deadly flu come through or deadly virus? Because they're clearly the best team in the league. Like, That's there's what, no um, if, buts, or maybes about it. I know. They're 25 points clear with nine or ten games but to go. stranger things have happened, mate. They could have choked. They could have lost all their remaining games. They could have got a string of injuries in one game and lost all of their good players. You never know. I just, I just can't see that being... A real possibility is what it I'm wouldn't saying. matter if they're two points in front on twenty two points. I think no, nah, I think that's wrong. I think if they were, if they were within ten points, say they're ten points clear at this point, right? Then we can't argue. We can't say, oh, just give it to them. They're ten points clear because we've seen Liverpool bottle ten point leads, even back to last season. They were what ten and twelve clear at Christmas, and lost by a point. So, you know, I think 10 points, you know, or even 12 points, I'll go and far and saying, yeah, you can't crown them. It's not fair. Although I think PSG were 12 points clear when they were crowned. Um, controversially in the French League, obviously. Cool. But then if you're going to crown someone, then you have to relegate teams. And you're yeah. going to have to make a top I think, four. I think that this is true. I think the issue is, well, the French League have done that. The French League have come out and said. And they're going to stick the ramifications yeah. of that down the line. Like it's but, some clubs are probably gonna have to like sue the French league because they're missing out on millions and not making Champions League or yeah. missing out on millions and getting relegated. You got that, and then the Premier League's like a whole nother level, mate. Mate, here's my thing you play football all year. If you can't put yourself in a position where you're not in a relegation or you're not, you know, as a champion. You've had your chance. Yeah, I know it's in this current circumstance, it's not all season. You're given thirty eight games, mate. Well, not. I don't think it's French League thirty eight. They either have to finish the season, or it just is, is null and void. Well, the the French League have gone a different option, but the French League have. Um, yeah, for the Premier League, I think um, the clubs remain committed to finishing out the season anyway. They want to finish. Um, and how's the question? Well, there's been a conversation about. Um, you know, eight to ten neutral venues to play at. Mm. No fans at all. Obviously, media and match day people will be allowed uh, subject to a coronavirus test. Yeah. Um, but their next meeting was going to be the 7th. So that is tomorrow or today, depending on when this is listened to. <laughs> but um, Or even yesterday, I don't know. But the, <laughs> the 7th of May is when... Their meeting for their national lockdown review. I had a mate from England actually message me on Saturday and say that Boris Johnson come out and said they've reached their peak. Um, they're past it now. Obviously, unfortunately... But they're still in lockdown. They're, uh, they are in lockdown, you're right. Uh, unfortunately, that's 50,000 people that have passed away from this virus. But to hear that they're on the other side of it is, is good news. 
Oh, 100%. So hopefully that means football is back sooner rather than later. Obviously, as I said, the 7th of May, um, all the national parties, so that's obviously the Prime Minister and his party, all the people in charge, then all the people from the Super League, which is their rugby league, obviously, the Premier League and the Championship uh, will all sit in a room and um, discuss the future of those games. So I guess it's a cabinet meeting with extras. <laughs> All right. So say if the season does come back, yep. obviously Liverpool would be champions. Yep. It's pretty like that's a safe bet. But who do you think you who do you think's making the top four, do you think? Well, I think the top three will remain the top three. So that's uh Liverpool, Man City and Leicester. Yep. Um Fourth place, there's six or seven teams that can still get that spot, I think, from fourth to ninth. Um, Who are you putting your money on? <sighs> Go with your I, heart. I want to be biased, mate, and say Chelsea. Um, however, we've got to be real. Bruno Fernandes has made a massive difference at Manchester United. Um, oh, I don't think about menu. Don't, no. But I think Sheffield have also got to be in the conversation. Obviously, does this break? kill their momentum for the season probably but if they're as good as their league position says i can probably pick that straight back up Mm. um if you're asking me to pick a top four right now i think the top four remains the same i think i think the same too i think chelsea would just sneak in there and i think both arsenal and tottenham miss out on european football yeah but i think if tottenham well the thing is Harry Kane was meant to miss the rest of the season. He was, yeah. All the season. Be- but he was meant to miss Euros as well. So This was all about wrapped up. Yeah. This season would all be, like, pretty much be over by now. It'd be like, what's it, May 6th? Yeah, so. Yeah, we if, have about four if weeks If Spurs left. get him back for the remaining games. Could be different. Could be different. And yeah. Jungmin's son as well. I think he was suspended yeah. for a game, but. He's away at the moment on his. Uh, South Korean or training camp or yeah. army camp or army something. camp yep. training mandatory training so he's used this time wisely he's going to be come back fit yeah um, but yeah obviously we'll know heaps more after the 7th of May hmm. um, hopefully good news but obviously we won't be holding our breath and we're getting the well the Bundesliga is coming back May 9th. May 9th. Um, all sorted, all ready to go. They're just waiting on the government to say yes come Friday. So that's a couple of days from now. Mm. Um, La Liga, Serie A, they're still pretty far behind it. Yes. Yeah, so the both of them players have been allowed to go back to individual training at club facilities. In uh, Italy and Spain. Yep. yep. Both leagues have had um, individual people go back. I know... Uh, I think it might have been Monday they were allowed to go back. And I think the first player that arrived at Juventus training was no surprise in Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, he was the first session at 6 a.m., I believe I read somewhere. So yeah, if that right. doesn't tell you he's fully committed at 33 years old or whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Syria have a bit more set up right now. They've got two dates that they're... Looking at resuming on, uh, which is the 13th or the 20th of June. But no matter which one of them they start at, their final day will be August 1st. Okay. Um, where La Liga doesn't have a date in place as of yet. However, um, squad trainings, like group sessions, will recommence on the 11th of May, which is the same as uh, Serie A at the moment. So that's a few days away as well. Obviously, the Bundesliga is back 9th of May. Uh, They've all but been given the green light from the government. As I said, the government will decide on Friday if they can go ahead. Um, The Bundesliga chairman said that if the government decide that they can't start this weekend uh, and he wants to give them two weeks, he'll make sure that in two weeks' time the Bundesliga is ready to go. If the government doesn't give the green light and they've told they have to wait two more weeks, the chairman has said they'll be ready to go. Um, he has announced that 300 people will be able to work match day, but that includes players, security, media, 
and all players will undergo um, coronavirus and security checks. Uh, a random statistic for you. If the Bundesliga is to finish every single game left with weekly coronavirus um, testing, which has become mandatory for the league to start, there'll be 20,000 coronavirus tests done before the season to finish. So that's... <laughs> Wow. It's a crazy amount of coronavirus testing. They test them every week. Every week. Every player, every coach, every media personnel will be tested. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just players and coaches, but so there'll be 20,000 tests done for the Bundesliga to finish. Yep. And obviously we all want to see, well, not me personally because Chelsea are current holders. Just give it to us again. I'll take the asterisks. <laughs> but um, the current... Uh, Champions League and Europa League winners are looking more and more like they won't retain their trophy with UEFA announcing that they're trying to set aside the whole month of August to finish out their remaining Champions League and Europa League fixtures. Um, the UEFA is currently considering proposals for the Champions League final to be moved to the Saturday 29th of August. And the Europa League will be moved to <laughs> Wednesday, the 26th of August, with no venue announced yet. Okay. All so right. hopefully we get all football back, obviously, except for Liga and the Eredivisie. They've both been cancelled. However, Eredivisie went one way with their cancellation and Liga have gone another. So mm. it'll be interesting to see ramifications of that. But yeah, so that's our... Uh, Update. Update around the world. As we touched on, mate, you're a massive Chelsea fan. Yep. I'm a massive Arsenal fan. Yep. Red v. Blue. Battle of London. Battle of London. Chelsea, mate. Why Chelsea? Uh, So, it started with Frank Lampard. I don't need a life story, mate. I just need... (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) He was my favourite player as a kid. Yeah. Um, obviously, I said before that my earliest memory was watching Frank Lampard run around for West Ham. I never really supported West Ham um, or even thought about West Ham as a, a, a like supporting them. I sort of just liked Frank Lampard. Imagine that supporting West Ham. It'd be tough at the moment. A bit indie. Yeah. A bit, yeah. Very different, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I thought you know, like I didn't really have a team. I didn't really want to support a team at the time, which is crazy to think about now. And then Frank Lampard joined Chelsea. Um, and my favourite colour is blue as well. So I was oh, like... Isn't that nice? Yeah, bit, bit of lovely story. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just support... I guess I'll just support Chelsea. And it started as a thing where I was like, no, just support Chelsea. And now I'm a mad fan. I've got every jersey since 2008, I believe. So there's a few jerseys hanging up around the room. but um, Good to pull out toilet paper there if you ever need some. Yeah, well, I thought I might have needed to use it during this <laughs> pandemic, but it <laughs> hasn't come to fruition. But yeah, so Frank Lampard was the reason I supported Chelsea and obviously now him as our gaffer as well. It's Fair enough. Time's come around. Well, I'm a massive Arsenal fan. Obviously, Chelsea and Arsenal have some running battles over the years. Yeah, Wenger v Mourinho. Yep, you come out on top. Most of them. Most of the time, yep. Yep. Won't talk about that, but it's all right. Um, Yeah, Arsenal, mate. This year has been... London's blue blood. (sighs) Yeah, this year has just been very, very tough. This season, I should say. Yeah. How do you go? Obviously, when we're working, we work nights. So sometimes, depending on the finish, we do get to watch, you know, the main match day fixtures. Um how many Arsenal games have you actually sat through this year and how many do you regret sitting through? I've sat through probably only two or three. Yep. I've turned off a couple. Yep. <laughs> and just not even bothered for a few too. So It's one of them years. Well, okay, I was over there in December. I was like, yep. I was traveling around Europe with my mate. Barcelona was the last trip, last leg of the, like, the trip. But yep. we first were in London and... The first game we went to was Liverpool and Anfield. 
saw them beat Brighton 2-1. Yep. Virgil van Dijk scored two goals that day. Two headers. Yep. That yep. was really cool to watch. Great atmosphere there at Anfield. And obviously my mate was a massive Liverpool fan. Love that. The second game was Arsenal versus Brighton at the Emirates. And okay. This was when Unai Emery had just been sacked. Freddie Lundberg was the interim oh, manager. Yep. The gaffer, yep. So I saw Freddie's. Well, they just played Norwich like a couple of days before. Yep. Had a draw. Aubameyang uh, scored two goals. Uh, yep. Right. Watching that at a pub. I was just like, oh my God. I can't what was the atmosphere in an English pub watching Premier League? So good. Yeah. Like the best. Yeah. English pubs are just the best. They like, like their football, eh? Like here, it's, it's pretty good. But over there, it's like so like tight knit and yep. like just like the environment. It's just the best. The beer Unreal. garden packed to the rafters. Yeah. Yeah. And then like. They like start singing and there's a pretty good atmosphere to it around it as well. So, um, but yeah, saw them play at the Emirates against Brighton and they got beat two one. Aaron Moy, uh, and Aussie and Matt Ryan of well and goals made a couple of really good saves. I think Lacazette had he pulled off a really good save and Lacazette in like early second half. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the hell? He used to play for the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, Aaron Moy was just. Tormenting us all night. Yep. He was playing out of his skin. I was like, he's playing for Melbourne City. He's playing the A-League. Now he's destroying Arsenal. What did my club turn into? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to watch, isn't it? Yeah, at that stage, I like playing relegation form. But since Arteta's come in, I think they're unbeaten since the new year. I was really, I like watching a couple of his press conferences and stuff. I'm really impressed with his attitude towards football, how yep. he wants to turn around the club. I think I think Unai Emery he had a lot of good idea a lot of good ideas and had a good resume behind him but just couldn't execute that style of play and just I don't think the players really bought into what he was trying to do either to an extent. Yeah, I think it's a that's a toughie because he is a very good coach and he's three Europa leagues or whatever he won back to back to back with Sevilla. Yeah, probably state that, but I guess his style of football didn't work in the English conditions. No. And it is sad to see players not buy into a coach's system, I guess. But that's part of football, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, we've come up with our dream teams for Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah. I'll let you go first, mate. Only rule is have to have debuted for the club after our year of birth. Yep. So you're a 96 baby. I'm 96. I'm a 98. Yeah, correct. They have to have debuted for the club after... Those respective years. Yeah, correct. So go for it, mate. Who have you got your team? All right. So, uh, in goals, we've got Petr Cech. Obviously, uh, one of the best goalkeepers the Premier League seen. 100%. Uh, at right back, I've got Brenislav Ivanovic. Uh, for a long, long time, he was crucial in everything uh, Chelsea did. And you could almost guarantee if there was a moment where we needed a winner when the strikers weren't doing it. Uh, Vanovic was that guy. I actually yeah. remember the year we won the Champions League, so 2012, uh, him scoring against Napoli in extra time to send us through to the next round. I was walking to school and watching it on my phone. Yeah. And um, oh, how the phone didn't go flying when I chucked my arms up in the air in proper celebrations was... Um, yeah, he's got a few clutch goals. Eh? Oh, unbelievable, especially for a right back. I remember one against Everton as well. He, um, John Terry flicked it on off a corner and he was at the back stick to tap it in for a 2-1 win. Boom. Um, his partner is the man I just mentioned, John Terry, obviously uh, club captain. Given, really. Yeah. Next to him is Ricardo Carvalho. Yep. Uh, spent, I think, six good years at Chelsea, winning two titles with us. So, great obviously, defender. great defender. Very, very good for his country as well. Mm. Uh, left back is Ashley Cole. Uh, mm. Best left back in England. Yep. And Thanks, probably Ashley. the world at one point there during his Chelsea career. Trader. Obviously, yeah, former Arsenal man, if you didn't pick up on that. Uh, my two defensive midfielders, uh, Makalele, which... Is given seem he created that defensive midfield role probably. The McAlealy uh, role, yep. Yep. And Michael Essien. It was hard to leave him out. Uh just the amount of work he did as a Chelsea player. Mm. Um, you know, 
he never probably got all the credit he deserved for those good Chelsea sides that he was a part of, but boy, did the Chelsea fans love him. Oh, yeah. Um, my left midfielder is Eden Hazard, which self-explanatory, really. Um, obviously, you think of Hazard, you think of amazing clutch goals. Obviously, he won Spurs. Uh, he won Leicester, the Premier League, with an amazing <laughs> finish um, against Spurs. Um, I think of him winning the Premier League for Chelsea against Crystal Palace on the final day as well. That year, he's player of the year. He, he was. was just unreal that year, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, so I think... Was that the year under Conte? Uh, it was, 2017. Uh, no, or, no, earlier, 14, 15. Uh, no, Conte was... Oh, yeah, that was... Yeah, 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 right. That was Mourinho's last year. Last win at Chelsea was 14, 15. 14, 15, yeah, yeah correct. Um, attacking midfield, I've gone obviously Frank Lampard, uh, self-explanatory. My right midfielder, I've gone Ida Goodjonsson. So obviously, I'm a massive great shout, massive Goodjonsson fan. Have been for a long, long time. I think he did things that uh, a lot of other Chelsea players probably didn't do on a consistent basis. Obviously, he never probably got the real shout that he deserved. Because he spent a lot of his time behind Ion Robin, yeah. who obviously we've seen what he has turned into. Obviously, yeah. he was good at Chelsea, but um, yeah, Good Johnson was consistent every week. You knew what you were getting from him. And obviously, up front, I've gone for Didier Drogba, which again, self explanatory. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea legend, the king around the bridge. Tormentor of Arsenal. Yeah, another bloke who yeah, loved the goal against Arsenal. Um, but yeah, so that's my Chelsea starting eleven. Very good teammate, very standard Chelsea team that one. Very yeah, very much so. You'd Plenty take... of trophies in that team. Oh yeah, there's a couple of Premier League titles in that team. Absolutely. All right, my Arsenal team. I've gone a four three three. In goals, I've gone Jens Lehmann. He was the Invincibles goalkeeper. German from from Germany as well. Had a really great couple of years at Arsenal. Was our number one for a long time. He's a really experienced, knowledgeable very, very goalkeeper. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right back, I had Lauren. Um, another invincible. Yeah, another invincible was a a class player, really, and was a essential part of that backline, that invincibles backline. I only got to see him play a few times. I was only really learning about Arsenal when he was starting to fade out of the team. But yeah, a really good player. And one of those right backs that are just consistent, reliable, will do a job for you. Absolutely. Centre backs, I've gone Sol Campbell and Laurent Koscielny. Uh Sol Campbell, I think, in his day, was one of the best centre backs in the Premier League. Yep. And was a great player for England as well. Scored a goal in the Champions League final for Arsenal. Was just a great player. Yep. Could do it all in defence. Had pace, good tackle, good in the air strong you know you like a defender that any team around the world would want in their team absolutely other center back lauren kashani just a wasn't the biggest presence or um strongest or fastest bloke but just a just read the game so well used to love watching kashani play just made so many interceptions and and blocks and stuff like that and just was a key player for arsenal for a while when we were having a bit of defensive problems during yeah. those late when wenger years but yeah, it was real was a real key player in those couple of cup finals that we won at the back end of Wenger's career as well. Um, left back, I've gone Nacho Monreal. Now, some people will laugh when I say that maybe, but Nacho was one of those players that, yeah, just a real reliable figure. You knew you were getting a good seven or eight out of ten each week from Nacho. And he scored a couple of really clutch goals for us as well. Scored a goal against Man U and Man City in the FFA, FA Cup semi-final to get us through there. And I just, yeah, I just liked the way he defended and like some some of the defenders we've had over the years didn't really wear the heart on the sleeve of the club and I think he really cared about the club and gave his all whenever he played for Arsenal so that's something I really liked about him. Midfield, going to like a diamond with a holding midfielder. Uh, the holding midfielder is Alex Song. Now, Great shot. Anyone who's seen highlights of Alex Song, just great shout. He's just like Good he play. could do it all as a CDM, and but probably didn't 
fulfill his percent potential to an extent. No, no, I don't. I don't think so either, actually. But the way he could pass a ball, and his defensive know-how as well, he was like a premium CDM and got his got his transfer to Barcelona. Obviously, yeah. was in a really good team, probably behind Busquets in terms of CDM. Yeah, players, abilities and stuff. As but well. when he was at Arsenal, some of the balls he would play through to Robin Van Persie in those years when we'll consistently come in third and fourth. Thierry Henry's first goal at yep. Highbury. Just his ball playing ability from the anchor role in midfield was just an, was enormous for us in those years. Uh, two central midfielders have gone, Cesc Fabregas and Aaron Ramsey. I think Cesc, during his years at Arsenal, especially when he progressed into the captain, he was just sometimes unplayable in games. like, And he was setting up goals, scoring goals, was making those box-to-box runs. Great Chelsea player too. Yeah. That was a bit of a shame, but a bit of a dampener on his career. But yeah, went back to Barcelona, obviously, where he's his boyhood club. But yeah, at Arsenal, he made his name. And I share a birthday with Sesc as well. So <laughs> kind of have a little affinity there for him. But big Sesky. Yeah, great player. And Aaron Ramsey scored the goals. Yeah, scored the goals in our cup finals that won us the cup. I think one of was against Chelsea as well. An extra time. The latest one we won. Yep. I remember the game very well. Community Shield? No. FA Cup final. That was a great game. I don't remember that, sorry. Alexis Sanchez scored early. Then he's equalised Costa. Anyway. And then Ramsey in the... Doesn't sound legit. In extra time. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, just to, I can't believe we let him go. Such a poor bit of management there from the club point of view to let him go on a free to Juventus. Yeah, absolutely. Probably a, a club legend people would recall regard him now. and Definitely would have been worth a few quid. Oh, 100%. A midfielder anyone would want in their team. Could do it all, really, when you think about it. And up front, I've gone a right-wing striker-left-wing combination. Right-wing have gone Alexis Sanchez. When Alexis was at the club, he was just my favourite player. The way he scored goals, the way he took on defenders, his celebrations, just the, his presence on a game, he had it all. He just, you could tell he just loved playing football. That was just his pride and joy. Obviously, his, his career's kind of fallen away since he went to Man U. And that trade deal that we had with Mkhitaryan was it ended up being a bit of a downer for both clubs, really. Hasn't really, haven't really prospered off it at all. No. But Sanchez, when he was at Arsenal, I just half the reason I would watch an Arsenal game, not obviously because I'm a great great fan, but I'd love watching Alexis play. Yep. Just amazing player. Absolutely. Left wing, we've gone Aubameyang, Pierre-Emic Aubameyang. What he's done since coming in for Arsenal, like just hit the ground running straight away. I think he's the quickest player to 50 games and scored the most amount of goals in that time, even quicker than Henri and Birdcamp and players like that. He's so prolific in front of goal, even in a struggling team as what we have at the moment. He's still second top yep, scorer in absolutely. the league. Yep. 17? He's, and yeah, 17 goals. Yep. And if you look at those goals that he scored, it's they're goals that have gotten us points and won us games where we yep. probably wouldn't have won those games without him. So, and now he's got the armband on. That's how much he's regarded in the dressing room. And um, it's another player I love to watch. Just so fast and so... like, And his finishing ability is second to none as well. And then up front, that's a given, is Thierry Henry. People regard him like a lot of commentators regard him as the best player to ever play in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just so he'd... He'd be up there, that's for sure. To, to, he'd be yeah, up there with some of the best... Strikers of all time in the Premier League. Just his output for Arsenal in those years when the Invincibles as well. And then um, obviously take he's the leading, leading goal scorer for the club of all time. Yep. Got a statue out front. Like, <laughs> just a... Sensational. He, when football. people think about Arsenal, they think about Terry, Terry Henry. Henry. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah. Club legend. And he's up front in my dream team. So, yeah, that's my dream team. Bellerin's been tough to be left out there. Yeah, I like Hector. I think he's still got a lot of potential to go. But if you're going off right now, and um, I think Lauren just edges him considering he's won a Premier League and 
been involved in some great teams. That's so, fair enough. Yeah. I think if we did a combined, we did a combined one, didn't we? We did, yeah. Here we, had, we had a check. and goals. Check and goals, yeah. <laughs> Ivanovic, Ivanovic and Terry. And um, you gave me Sol Campbell. I did give you Sol Campbell. Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole, yep, at left back. Midfield, we went Makalele, Lampard, Fabregas and Lampard. Yep. Right uh, wing was Alexis. Alexis Sanchez. Up front. We went Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. As much as it pains me. Left wing was Hazard. Eden Hazard, yeah. yeah. So that's our combined team. That is our combined team. So it was and Czech, Ivanovic, Terry, Campbell, Cole, Makalele, Fabregas, Lampard, Sanchez, Henry, Hazard. Alrighty, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back with more, but until then, hope everyone stays safe and we can all get together again and enjoy people's company again soon enough and get the beautiful game back up and running. But until then, bye for now. Goodbye.